0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. This is the last episode in our Summer of Mentors series. It's been six weeks of us republishing past episodes with fantastic mentors, and this week's mentor is my good friend, Stacey Thacker.
1: When you are broken and you are hurting and you have no clue how to walk through something, He does not abandon you. He stays with you. He holds you together. And Scripture tells us that He will never, never leave you, never, never, never forsake you. And that is 100% absolutely true, even when you can't quote it. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you don't have the words in your head. Even when the words fly, mm-hmm. it is still true because his truth is true no matter what. Even in your darkest hour.
0: Stacy is one of the first gals I met on the internet. Uh, we became real life friends years ago, and she came on the show in 2015 when this originally aired to talk about walking through grief as a mom. How so often, when hard things happen, we're still caring for the needs of so many people, and it can be hard to find space to grieve. Well. I thought this would be a good time for you all to hear her messages because I know they helped me when a couple years later, I was walking through my own grief. And with COVID, I think what surprised so many of us is just this low level of grief that is ever present. It's this little layer of loss that is accompanying us every day. And I think a lot of us don't know what to do with that. And so um, whether it's a loss of a person or a job or um, plans, whatever you have, I hope that Stacey's words can encourage you. I will tell you that since we recorded this, she has walked through even deeper tragedy. Her daughter has had severe health issues. Her husband had a heart attack and almost passed away. Thankfully, he has recovered, but their life has been forever impacted. And she shares all that in her newest book, which comes out in October. It's called Thread Bear prayers. And I think it's going to be a fantastic resource because I know a lot of you are weary and worn out and struggle to even cry out to God. And that's where Stacy has been. She gets it. It's a hundred different devotionals in this book, weaving her story and prayer prompts that will help you and guide you through hard seasons. So if you want to check it out, go to stacythacker.com forward slash threadbare dash prayer. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can find it there. You get a free email series if you go check that out. All right, let's get to my chat with Stacy. Here we go. But you have girls around a lot. And mm-hmm. um, in the last couple years, you've had some hard things happen um, and had to process those things, grieve and suffer in the midst of continuing to mother and minister and write books. And um, so I would just really love uh, for you to kind of walk us through a little bit of what's gone on in your life and then um, – we'll get into maybe some help you can give moms who might find themselves, um, in, in situations where they're trying to process emotions and be moms. So, um, what, uh, did you share a little bit about what's
1: Mm -hmm. been going on? Absolutely. I, I also, um, part of my world online is I'm, I'm a writer and I wrote, co-wrote a book about a year well, we started about three years ago called Hope for the Weary Mom. Some of your listeners might be familiar with that. Um, and I, um, so I can make sure I get my dates right. About a year and a half ago, last January, my co-author and I, Brooke McLaughlin, started our third revision of that book. So so at the time we were rewriting Hope for the Weary Mom, both Brooke and I were experiencing um, many different types of storms. But personally, for me, uh, my dad, who had battled cancer for about five years previous, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Mm. We went in um, the week that we signed our contract for Hope for the Weary Mom with Harvest House um, was when we got the news that my dad was going to be having emergency surgery. Mm. So that first weekend in February of 2014, um, I flew home to be with my parents. Um, and what I would describe as probably um, one of the most Terrifying weekends of my my whole life. Just Mm. getting on a plane at four AM, not knowing if I was going to see my dad again. It was Mm. it was um, it was it was a really hard weekend. Mm. Um, I remember specifically the feeling that I didn't want to go, and and it was a strange feeling because I loved my dad very much, but I was I was really scared to go. Mm. But I knew I knew that I needed to be there, and so when I got to the hospital and to the waiting room with. All our friends and family, and um, my dad came through that surgery actually, and amazingly, and got to see him soon after, and um, it was it was a miracle. The Lord had really just bent down and um, done a, a, a great work. In fact, that that Saturday or Sunday of that weekend, I left, um, my dad was sitting up. He was talking. He was arguing with me about paying for my plane ticket, and you know, as dads yeah. do, I want to yeah. pay for that. And yeah. um, I assured him I was okay to pay for it myself, and. Um, he said, "You know, get home to the girls and to Mike, and tell them I love them." And and I left, and and that was the last time I saw my dad alive. Mm. And that was the first weekend in February. Mm. About. Mm, Golly, I guess it was about six weeks after that, um, on March 25th, my dad died suddenly of what we think was probably a pulmonary embolism. Mm. So he had Mm. went from his brain surgery to have radiation Mm. um, and was actually doing really well and was going to start chemo the next day, but he died suddenly. And so when I tell people my story, um, sometimes I think it it surprises them that I knew he had cancer. And I probably in the back of my mind, didn't know if he was going to make it through the brain tumor or the the cancer of the brain, because that Mm. was going to be a big challenge. my dad was a, he was a fighter Mm. and he had fought so hard. I think in the back of my mind, I knew that this might be it, but we didn't expect his death to be so sudden. And all that that involves, um, if any of you have experienced sudden death, it's it's, it's just a shock. And I didn't even realize I was in shock until after everything transpired. And I got home and read something about shock and I realized, Oh, that's what I've been feeling. You know, that's what I've been going through. So, um, so in that time frame, when he had his, his surgery to the time that he died was, we were just crazy busy at our house. My husband traveled for about 20 days out of country. Mm. I was writing hope in the crevices of my life. Um, and I mentioned that because if you ever read the book, uh, just to know the storms that were swirling as we were writing that was profound. Yeah. And, um, so the, the message of that book means so much more to me than it ever could because what I was going through at the time and experienced after. Yeah. So it's not just like I, a
0: bunch of trite statements. I mean, you all were it's, literally weary and seeking true hope.
1: Yes. For sure. Um, It was born out of a very hard, hard time. It it was a time of great storm. And so, um, so I had come off a very busy season anyway, but then to walk into, um, in fact, um, if you know, part of my story, we were that the day my dad passed was it was spring break and everything had finally kind of stopped. The crazy had stopped. My girls and I were getting ready to walk out the door and I got that phone call Mm. uh, from my uncle. And so, everything just came to a complete stop, um, in my life that day. And, and, and really what I've learned in the time since then is, um, what it's like to grieve, um, to lose someone that you love dearly, to walk through that, um, as a daughter, but also as a, as a mom. Um, I've learned a lot about God's grace and his mercy applied in our really broken places and how he shows up. Hmm. Um, But that's kind of what sets up my story and how God met me um, in a time when I finally just sat down and said, I I don't have anything left. I don't know. I didn't know how to function in that space. And and so that was about a year ago when I was really walking through the depths of that despair. And so day to day,
0: day to day, your girls need to be fed, clothes have to be washed, and you just like want to just go away and have a mm-hmm. moment to think, what did you do? What books did you read? What What things did you find most helpful when you were trying to process in the midst of the dailiness?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, Heather. Um, first of all, I want to say, um, as a as a Christian, I, I truly believe that God writes our grief story. It's, mm-hmm. it's very individual. So I want to encourage... Um, your listeners that, um, their story may be very different. I love that God is very personal with us. And Mm -hmm. so there may be, um, threads through my story that resonate, but it may not be, it doesn't have to be the same. You know, God is, he draws near to us and he's very individual. And so some of the things that I, um, experienced may not resonate with them. But for me in those first days, um, it was a real unfamiliar place because I'm a, I'm a relater and an encourager and I, I am a doer. And so I I really literally, first of all, had to be a receiver. Mm -hmm. I had to let people do things for me that felt super uncomfortable. Now, my parents lived in Indiana and I live in central Florida. So part of what had to happen was functionally getting my family from point A to point B Mm -hmm. in those first, those first hours. And um, the body of Christ was just profoundly beautiful to me in that time people gave money Mm. sent money uh, people brought they just came together to help get us get us home Mm. and so the first thing i had to do was be willing to receive Um, and that also when we got back a lot of my local friends because the funeral wasn't here um, they wanted to bring food later, so it. And I remember feeling guilty, saying, yeah. "Oh, but I can cook." But there was a specific group of women um, that said, "No, no, no, we're going to bring you some something." And so um, I just said, "Oh, okay." And I remember upon receiving it, thinking, "I'm so glad they insisted because it was a blessing. It was a true blessing." But at the time, I, I remember thinking, "Oh, I should, I should be able to cook for my family." It's not like I'm not there's no funeral this week or, you know, it's just day to day life. Right. But, um, I had to, first, I had to learn how to receive mm-hmm. from those that wanted to help. And so that was one thing that was hard as far as functioning. Um, it was, a, it was in March. And so we still had several weeks of school left. Yeah. And I remember just feeling, um, just kind of, uh, like I couldn't think clearly it was in a fog. I, a friend of mine, um, sent me this and I'm probably going to butcher the word it's a french word it's and i think it's bouleverse bouleverse it looks like bouleverser but i think it's bouleverse that talked about that when you go through something like that it's a it, it means a total upheaval mm. an upset an absolute reorientation to the way that you knew life before mm. so my world had been flipped and so i didn't know how to how do i teach my girls or how do i even get motivated to do much more than just feed and clothe them and so around that time i had a meeting with one of our school directors And she was talking with me and what she did in a very short sentence was just give me permission to do only what I had to do that I could let go of all those expectations of you have to do school has to look this way or life has to look this way. She just said, you know what, you only do what you absolutely can. And it was, it was the gift of permission to pull back and to not feel the expectations of what I had to do. Mm. The other thing that I heard during that time that was really key was from my mom, um, that it said in the beginning stages of grief, it's, it's okay to take a vacation from your life. Mm. And so that's really what I applied is my girls and I, we slept later. We stayed in our pajamas. Um, we cuddled, we sat on the couch more. We read, there were days I just read to them. Mm. Um, we, we didn't set any academic records in the last four or five weeks of school last year, but I will tell you that they passed all their tests and they, they completed what was necessary, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, we didn't, we kind of fell across the finish line, but that's okay in that season. It's, t- it's normal. And, um, and, and so those were in those early days, what, um, meant meant the, the most is to receive and to give myself permission to let life fall back, to say no, pull back from, and to just tell people, no, I can't show up and serve. No, I can't, I can't do that. I just needed to draw my people close and just, let the Lord minister specifically to our hearts in that time.
0: When I think about the model that you gave your girls, you know, the learning doesn't always have to be a book learning that mm-hmm. they got to see the reality of grief and the reality of um, you healing so that it doesn't, you know, come out in other ways later that they got to be a part of it and included instead of pushed away um, mm-hmm. so that you could grieve silently and alone. And, in your own, I mean, I'm sure there were times, but mm-hmm. that they were included in that a little is, is really, I think, special. I think sometimes we think we have to separate it from our mm-hmm. kids. And so I think that's a great example. I love picturing y'all in your pajamas on the couch reading books.
1: <laughs> like, Well, that what's sounds- interesting is you, you know, we talked a lot in those early days. Um, all my children dealt with it differently. Mm. My youngest, who at the time was Four. Yeah. Um. She talked, and still to this day, talks about my dad very, a lot. Mm. Um. She needed to talk about him, and mm. and just in, well, Grandpa, this and what, and she wanted what was Grandpa doing, and 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 she just, it was like she just needed to keep his name in the conversation. And there were times when that was hard. Yeah. Because I was hurting, and I, it was hard for me to, um, break it down to a four-year-old level. Hmm. Um, but she really needed to talk. Um, some of my girls were really silent. Mm. Um, they didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, some of them were very expressive in their grief and, um, it was, I, in that time, I just tried to let them be. And if they wanted to talk, I made myself available. Um, but they knew that, um, I was hurting. I, I didn't hide it from them. Um, there were definitely times they, they maybe didn't quite identify or understand as deeply, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I did um, did my best to let them walk that with me. And, and the same thing with kids are amazing is they're very present. Mm. And so I remember when we were driving home from my, my mom's house, um, we ended up getting my dad had an old beat up truck that my mom wanted us to have. And so my husband drove the truck and I drove the girls home from Indiana. And um, kids are just, they're just so present and they pull you into their world. And mm-hmm. I remember crying my way home, but there were many moments where we were laughing hysterically over silly things that they, silly songs they would start. And there was just so, I mean, what is it? The quote from the movie, there's so much healing when you, uh, laughter through tears is the best kind of tears, you know? Yeah. Um, so I remember that as well, that my kids really helped keep me present. I think if I had shut them off from that, I think I would have missed out on a large part of the healing process.
0: Yeah. Even just having to verbalize to your four-year-old you know that there's something that was there yeah that's really good stuff stacy yeah mm-hmm. um so friends brought meals mm-hmm. friends paid their way <laughs> <laughs> which mm-hmm. i mean it's again things that we don't think matter but not having to have financial worry not having to worry about where the next meals coming from mm-hmm. you know what were other other Things if if a person is not the one grieving but their friend is what advice would you give to them what was the most helpful besides the things you already mentioned
1: well I think I think um, being a person of action and um, you know sending a note um, loving them with a Starbucks card or you know sweet gifts just Remembering with them, letting um, your grieving friend talk when they want to talk, being available, mm-hmm. not feeling like um, you have to say something super profound. Um, you know, the things that meant the most. Um, and I remember it clearly as uh, one of the messages I got from you, Heather, is you were crying mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking how touched I was to hear that. Um, my grief broke you as well yeah. and i think a lot of times we feel like we have when we reach out to a grieving friend we have to be the positive one or we have to be the have a happy story or we have to have a real like a even a bible bullet if you will but I think we just have to say, I'm sorry. And I'm praying for you. Those words mean they carry so much weight in the life of a grieving person. And it's okay to say, you know, I hate this. I'm so, you know, this is hard. And, you know, um, even, even people that say things that don't help, at least they say something, you know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid to enter into that space of a a grieving friend, because I, I have found, um, you know, when God takes you through something like this, you start seeing, you start realizing a lot more people are grieving than you ever knew. Oh, I didn't know you lost your dad or I didn't know your mom passed away several years ago. Like yeah. it connects share, you. A, yeah. They, sh- yeah. And, and you, when, when you're willing to share your story as well, um, it really does knit your hearts together. So I would say, um, don't be afraid to enter into their grief and don't feel like you have to have all the answers. I mean, I've certainly been through it and I don't have all the answers, yeah. um, but just to be, to let the Lord use you in their lives. And, um, and he certainly will if you're available.
0: I think that, you know, what happened, you were going through that and a, a real, a, a friend here in Dallas, her mother-in-law who was, a, you know, very present in
1: mm-hmm. their lives.
0: Um, her mother-in-law died overnight Mm-hmm. And it was it was so helpful for me to have walked through it with you so that immediately I knew what to say, what to do. And, and that one thing to do was to drive up to the funeral, mm-hmm. it was you know, 40 miles, 40 miles north of Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. And she still talks about how she didn't she didn't know because mm-hmm. it's the first time she'd lost a parent of some kind. Mm-hmm. She didn't know that on that day she would want to see familiar faces
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the power that that had. And, um, that as she was grieving to see us mm-hmm. grieving with her, mm-hmm. um, see, now I'm mm-hmm. going to cry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that, um, you know, there's just a, there's the, it's the power of with it's standing yeah. with someone yeah. and that's hard. I'm telling you, that's hard to, to, to be that person to walk into that funeral home because it's, it really, um, clarifies moments for you yeah, and it can bring some fears into your heart. Like, Oh, what yeah. if I have to go do this and how would I handle it? But being on again, on the receiving end of that. So I grew up in this little bitty town in Indiana. Um, and like I said, my, my, my online friends and my local friends couldn't be there yeah. because that's, you know, they live all over the country. Yeah. And so they did what they could. Um, but my, my family and friends from where I grew up, I saw people I hadn't seen for 20, 25 years. Wow. And, and I had friends for that. I went to school with that came, that drove an hour that did what you were able to do. Cause they were close enough to do that. Um, a couple friends who, came not only to the the calling, the viewing, but they stayed overnight and came to the funeral, followed us to the cemetery. I mean, they were just present and they didn't ask anything of me. They didn't, right. I didn't need to go talk to them. They were they were just present. Yeah. There's so, I mean, and you can't always do that. That's no. for sure. But if the Lord allows you that opportunity, um, It is so, it's so important because there's nothing like getting a hug in person or someone passing you a mint because your mouth is dry (laughs) or a tissue, or can I bring you a Diet Coke? I mean, those things sound really trivial, but when you're in that moment and you've talked to, I mean it's the viewing for my dad because he was a well-loved man. It was, it was about five hours of nonstop people. Mm. And so uh, f- a family friend of ours kept bringing me diet Coke and it became kind of, we kind of laughed about it, but every time I reached down, there was a fresh diet Coke. And so wow. it was just being there. I mean, it's a Coke, you know, it's, it's not like deep scripture. It's just the power of with, and yeah. it is so important if you can be that for a friend, God will bless you tremendously in that moment as well, but you will never know what it means until you're on that other side yeah. to see that person. And so
0: what makes me think I, mean, I, I just finished that. Um, Nobody's cuter than you by Melanie Shankle
1: uh-huh, uh-huh. and the
0: end is, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a funeral involved and um, how Melanie, her re- first response was to take black dresses and accessories over to her best friend. Uh-huh. Um, so she wouldn't have to think about what to wear, but you know, that was, that was their common language of just caring for each other and even in the things that may seem trivial but um
1: not, they're not, and you yeah. have to make those decisions. And making decisions when you're grieving is not easy. So yeah. I can see how much that would have meant in that moment. Yeah, just step I, you know, up. yeah, help them pack. Yeah, just bring you something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring you something to wear because I don't want to make that decision. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, Heather, I wanted to add. You yeah. had asked about a book that any book yeah, that yes. I read. Oh,
0: and there's a good uh, one you have. Yeah.
1: Well, there is one. Uh, before I mention that, there I read one years ago okay. um, by um, Nancy Guthrie called "Holding On to Hope." Mm. Which is an unbelievable story of her story of loss and her walk through the book of Job. And I, but I read it years ago. I did not return to it in this past year. Um, but that is, it was a gift at a time of a different kind of loss. I hadn't lost someone physically, but had lost something that was important to me. Um, so that is a beautiful book okay, um, by Nancy Guthrie, very biblically based. Um, the book that I read in the past year that really helped me through the actual stages of shock and grief um, is a book called I wasn't ready to say goodbye mm-hmm. and it's by uh, Brooke Knoll and Pamela Blair I believe it is um, it is not a faith-based book it's not anti-faith but it's more um, it's more from a psychological type perspective yeah. but it it was exactly what I needed to read. And that was really what I was reading when I realized I was in shock mm-hmm. and how shock behavior acts a little bit differently and the last different times than grief. It takes a different path. And um, that book just helped me realize that, oh, this thing that I'm feeling and struggling through is normal. And um, it's a, it's a very long book. I don't even know that I finished the whole thing, but it was profoundly helpful for me in those early days of, I didn't I didn't need a lot of fluff. I just needed someone to tell me how to function. Well, and, <laughs> uh, to say and just say that
0: what you're feeling is normal.
1: This right. is what
0: this is what's happening now, and then this'll happen next, and and then it's not odd that you're feeling these feelings.
1: It it yeah. definitely, definitely was. And scripturally, you know, of course Psalms twenty-three was um was an impact. Um, it also spent some time in the book of Hosea too, mm-hmm. um, chapter two, where he talks about being in the Valley of Acre, which is, um, the Valley of bitterness and that there's a door of hope. And, um, that, that, that passage was also really critical for me in the early days. Um, and, and just also things that people said, you know, um, were critical, but those were some places, uh, scripturally, um, I And also that book, which isn't a Christian book per se, but there's value. There's definitely value in it, especially if you've lost someone suddenly.
0: So when I was walking through my season of grief after we recorded this show, I remember really wanting to take care of my family, but feeling like I didn't have the bandwidth to do it in a way that I was used to doing. And that was hard for me. And if that's you and you are just wanting to do things for your family, wanting to cook for your family, but just don't have the capacity to plan out healthy meals, I want to give you a great tool. It's this month's sponsor, it's Prep Dish. And what they do is their chef, Allison, she has created meal plans and she sends them to your email inbox once a week. You can choose whether you want gluten-free, paleo, keto, and in it. She has some breakfast options, some lunch options, and four different dinner options and a grocery list that lays out what you need to buy. So you don't have to think through when you go to the grocery. Just take your list and buy each item on the grocery list. It tells you which meal it's for. So if you've decided not to do one of those meals, then you just buy less of it or don't buy that item. She also gives you prep instructions that if you want to prep everything in one afternoon, uh, you can do that. If maybe evenings are chaotic with your kids, then whether it's activities, which some of you may or may not have, or it's just some cranky kids who are grieving themselves the loss of so many things. Preptish makes it a lot easier, and you can try it out for free. If you go to PrepDish.com forward slash D-M-A, you are going to find your two-week trial. You give it a shot. See if it's a fit for your family. That's PrepDish.com forward slash D-M-A. All right, let's get back to my chat with Stacey. Here we go. So you went through uh, that in the last year, the grieving and loss of your father and – um your book release and more books on the way. And uh, we were going to get together in person, live. Um, and the night before that, something happened.
2: Yeah. A new
0: level and different different kind of suffering um, and hardship. What happened there? Well,
1: yeah. And that, that six weeks window that you were talking about, Hope for the weary Mom came out. Again, super busy season with um, marketing and talking about that book. Um, Around that time, one of my girls, my third daughter, um, started just struggling with some health issues. And there were just several different things that when they all put together, when we finally landed where we did, made sense. But I, as a mom of four, didn't connect all those dots initially.
0: We're just happy when
1: everyone has clothes on, right? That's right. That's right. And you don't panic about every little thing because, you know it's, you've got, you've been through it. So if it was my first daughter, I joke, we would have been at the hospital right away. But, Mm -hmm. you know, by the third one, you're like, Oh, you're fine. It's fine. We're going to be fine here. We'll take care of this, you know? Yeah. And so, um, my dad, the one year anniversary, of my dad passing was, um, March 25th. My mom was actually here with us during that week. It was a incredibly emotional week. Just so many thoughts stirred up. Well, and
0: that's uh, something to be aware of, too, is if yes. your friend loses someone, mark it down on your calendar, because yep. they will remember, and you want to be the friend that sends them the text or makes a phone call or sends them a sweet card. Um, even yep. the six months, don't you feel like? Six months.
2: Uh,
1: six hol- months. Was,
0: first holidays.
1: Yeah. Holidays, six months was huge. Yeah. And, and, and let me just retro that quickly. Um I didn't understand why 6 months was I was right felt like I was right I felt like I'd had a lot of healing but 6 months took me really back to the beginning of yeah. my grieving. Yeah. And a friend who'd been through it um just casually mentioned to me, "Hey, you know, 6 months was really hard for me." And I yeah. was like, "Really?" And she said, you know, that's about as long as I'd ever gone without her, it was her mom that had passed. She said, that's about as long as I'd ever gone without seeing my mom. Mm. And it all just made sense. I thought, oh my goodness, that's, that's, that's why it felt real at six months more so than ever. So yes, six months was, was a very, it was a deep valley. And then the year anniversary was, um, you know, you prepare for those things, you know, but around that time. So my heart was really emotional and tender and exhausted and all those things from the book and trying to walk with my mom and not knowing how to walk with her through that and um, remembering, but moving forward. And um, so there was a lot swirling in our lives. Um, but my daughter had been sick and um, it won a couple different things had happened. She had um, passed out at church um, unexpectedly to which it was because she got overheated, but um, there were some other things going on at the time. Yeah. The following week she got the flu um, and I thought, oh, well, that's why she passed out. (laughs) She was battling the flu. Um, We got her on medicine. Things were going fine. um, And she was recovering from that. Um, But we went ahead and had some blood work done on her. And that weekend, that week before, I was supposed to come and see you, which I was very excited about, by the way. Um, She had some blood work on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night, like at midnight. So I was supposed to leave at 6 a.m. the next morning. So six hours before I was getting on a plane. Our doctor called us and said that we needed to take her to the hospital immediately, that her hemoglobin was um, at a point where it was dangerous and Mm -hmm. dangerously low, that she wouldn't function much longer. Mm -hmm. Poor thing. So, you know, those kind of calls tend to shake you to the core. And um, we... I didn't even know. I remember being feeling very similar to how I did when my dad passed. Is well, how do I do this? What do I do? Like, how yeah. do you do this? How do you just leave?
2: Yeah.
1: Bless, bless my, my 15-year-old who is super mature, um, handled it with grace and um her cell phone in hand. And so we took our little our 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 at that time she was eight to the hospital and um went through a week of craziness. It was so many tests in um, in those first few hours of not knowing, we didn't know if um, her illness was life threatening, if it was um, chronic, if it we didn't know what was going on, and um, through so many tests that no child should ever have to go through, um, and very diligent doctors, um, we found out the problem, but not before um, things like blood transfusions and lots yeah. of sticks with needles and medicines and everything. And, um, and, and she has been diagnosed with a chronic, um, um autoimmune disorder. Mm. And so that has left us with a new normal. Um, but in those early days, um, be, while we were in the hospital again, um, it wasn't, I remember thinking at the time there was a moment I was in the, um, in her room, my husband had went home to be with my other girls once we got our daughter settled Mm -hmm. and she was sleeping and I was not, (laughs) I was busy not sleeping. I was wrestling, I was wrestling with the Lord. Yeah. And, um, I, Heather, I couldn't think of one scripture. Like I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't think. My mm-hmm. brain just, and I was tired. Yeah, I couldn't call to mind. And you know, there's you have that guilt. Like I, I'm a Christian. I should be able to remember like one verse yeah. to pop up. You know?
0: Oh, I told. Um, I remember being in labor once, and I'm like, I've got nothing except for okay. though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Literally, that was the only. I'm like, Bruce, I need something. Give, look it up anywhere. You version. I don't give even care. Me give me something works, besides though. the valley. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, but at that time, the only thing I could think of was um, when the centurion came to Jesus mm. and his servant was sick mm. and he said, you don't even have to come. Mm. Just say it. Just say it, Jesus. And mm. so for like, I don't know, like an hour, it seemed like I just said, just say it, Jesus. Just say it. Mm. I couldn't I couldn't think even, at the time I was confused. Was it his daughter, his servant? You know, I yeah. couldn't remember the whole story. I looked it up later. Um, and so I prayed that over and over again, mm. But I wrestled hard with the Lord. Um, but the same truth that God walked me through in losing my dad, um, which a friend had lent to me in the very beginning, um, was he holds all things together, which is Mm. Colossians one 17. Mm. And that is covers all of that. It covers the loss of your father, your children, your home, financial ruin, all of that, because all things means all things. He holds all things together. Even mamas in rooms where babies are sick and you don't know what's going on. Like Mm. I physically felt him holding me together. Mm. And so, um, praise the Lord, uh, as people began to wake in the early morning hours and pray. Um, you really do sense that as the people of God start praying. And Mm -hmm. I began to feel strengthened and, um, and hope stirring. And, um, as the doctor started revealing more of what they knew, um, just steadily walk through that. Mm -hmm. But there is a, there's a dark valley as a parent when your kids are sick and you feel like it might be your fault or you feel like, oh, I should have known. I should have known. How did I miss that? You know, Mm. there's that you fight with guilt and you fight all those different things. And now, um, on this side of it, where we're taking medication that she's going to be on God aside healing her for the rest of her life. Mm. And it's, um, it's a hard fought journey as well, and it's a different kind of exhausting. Yeah, um, we are grateful that the Lord has um, brought us where He has, and she feels so much better. Mm. But those same truths that God is present with us when your life gets thrown upside down—that um, He doesn't leave us, and that yeah. He does draw us near and minister deeply to us in our personal times of need—you um, know, we we saw that. Completely, and again, the body of Christ. Again, I can't stress enough the people that came, the people that texted, the people that prayed. There was a there was a prayer chain for our daughter Mm. that um, our dear friend Brooke set up. Um, It was worldwide. We had people messaging us from Thailand and Madagascar and um, New Zealand. Like there were people literally all over the world praying for for my daughter, Mm. and that is as a mom. It's just overwhelming. Like yeah. even just thinking about it makes me realize how blessed, how blessed we were in that moment. But the key yeah. to that is God, enter, He doesn't, when you are broken and you are hurting and you have no clue how to walk through something, He does not abandon you. Yeah. He stays with you. He holds you together, and Scripture tells us that He will never, never leave you, never, never, never forsake you. And that is 100 percent. Absolutely true. Even when you can't quote it. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you don't have the words in your head. Even when the words fly, Mm. it is still true because his truth is true no matter what, even in your darkest hour, for sure. And when you said all things means all things. Yeah. All the things,
0: whatever, anyone who's listening, whatever their thing is, he's Mm -hmm. holding it. And I know I can testify, even the little things, a broken air conditioner um, mm-hmm. a little um you know, flat tire, little things mm-hmm. that are bumps in our in our days that disrupt what we thought our plan was. You thought you were going on a trip.
2: Mm-hmm. you thought your
0: daughter would be fine, and
2: mm-hmm. there's a
0: disruption, and it is not comfortable. It is not convenient. It is not in our control. But what I'm finding is there's grace in it. He always mm-hmm. makes a way.
2: Mm-hmm. He makes
0: a way, whether it's one more one more prayer. From a friend who's interceding. One more conversation. One more scripture that does come to mind. You know. He provides the grace. To walk through whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Didn't Mm -hmm. even smell of smoke. They were Mm -hmm. in a fiery furnace y'all. I mean Mm -hmm. that is not comfortable or convenient. Or in their control. But he made a way out. And um, I just. I think that the testimony of. Your testimony and just more of these stories that even if, even if, um, will God still be God and will he Mm -hmm. be with me?
1: Mm -hmm. And I think, I think too, um, the other thing that I've learned through both these stories, um, and this again was a a good friend who'd been through it. Um, Lisa Joe Baker had messaged me and, um, she said, um, you know, the only way through is through. Mm. And so, a lot of times when we hit a trial or we we lose someone, we just want to quit. We yeah. want to stop. Yeah. But and I remember grabbing my mom's hand in those very early days when my dad died, and she said, "I don't want to go. I don't want to do this." Mm. And I said, "I don't want to undo it either." Mm. You know, you don't want to say goodbye to someone you love. But I said, we're going to get through it. We're going to go through it together. And we know that Jesus is going to do it with us. And so Mm -hmm. is just realizing you don't have to figure out how am I going to get through it all? You just have to go through the next thing. So the same applied with my daughter as I was sitting in the ER thinking, how am I going to do this, this big, horrible, awful thing? And we just had to get through the next thing. And maybe that was just getting our blood drawn, or maybe that was just listening and talking to one more doctor or getting her you know, through another round of tests, it was just, you just have to realize that it's, you have to, you do have to go through, but you don't ever go alone. Mm. And it it sounds like a, a, an old hymn, I'm sure, (laughs) but it, and it's not, it sounds easy and it's not. And I don't say it lightly Mm -mm. that when you want everything within you wants to run, boy, did I want to get on that plane and come to Texas (laughs) (laughs) when I was standing in that hospital, I didn't want to go through
2: Mm. But
1: with 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 Christ in your life and knowing that we know how this all ends in the end, we know He holds all things together. Mm-hmm. I'd walked it as I would lost my dad, even that didn't end the way that I wanted it to. Yeah. But God is still good, and He walks us through, and we can we can walk with Him, and we can find Him in that grace that you mentioned, Heather, mm. um, in the middle of it. Yeah, um, and it's hard, but boy, the the growth and the grace is. It's beautifully stunning in those moments. Um, I have learned so much um, in just in the past few weeks about trust and um, how he shows up in our messy places. He just keeps showing up. I think, and I'll say this, and I promise I'll stop talking. Um, (laughs) I used to think that we had a trial in our life. And we passed the test and we moved on. Like right. up there, I'd, I passed that test. Woo! Just like you know, just like college, you walked out of a class, you were done with algebra yeah, or whatever. Yeah, A plus, um, A plus. Yeah, uh, woo, did it. Or like C, whatever. <laughs> but I have learned, and I think you know, I've walked with the Lord since I was about nine years old. Um, as you mature, it's not you don't get to move on. You move deeper. So for me, I keep seeing these similar tests show up in my life. And it's not like, well, you passed it. You get to pass and move on. It's okay. You pass that. You get to move deeper. And in that deeper, it's maturity over time that God is developing in your life. Um, And you find yourself saying, oh
0: Lord, didn't we go through this? (laughs) Haven't I dealt with this before? (laughs) I'm done, right? yeah. And he
1: says, yeah, but you know what? This this is a greater work. It's a deeper work. And um, Someone, and so someone
0: just, told it to me it's like a spiral. So you yeah. draw a line on one side of that spiral. That's your thing. And you just yeah. are going, you know, either up it, getting better, whatever your analogy wants to be, or you're yeah. going deeper, your analogy, but you're hitting it every time you go loop around. Yeah. Um, and it's right there, that issue. Uh, it's but the same. Yeah, yeah.
1: But his grace just grows. And the yeah. more you press into him and you you grab that richness of um, leaning on him and i think it's a spiral because you know the lord knows we can't be held to that fire continually no, i think no. we do have those times when we come through and we have that that lull where we are led beside those still waters and and he refreshes our soul but it loops back because he cares that much he doesn't want to leave us mm-hmm. he wants us to mature because what's the goal? The goal is that when we see him we will be like him yeah and so when we as my dad has so beautifully done, we grab his nail-scarred hand. We're, we're going to know him because we've walked with him for so long through the pit and the valleys and all the trials that come about in this this side of heaven. Um,
0: and maybe we'll think twice before writing a book called Hope for the Weary Mom.
1: <laughs> maybe yeah, we'll, maybe exactly. we'll
0: not write that book anymore.
1: Um, yeah, well, it's been written three times. Yeah, so okay, does, well, let's
0: stop. Yeah. Maybe not a fourth edition, maybe. <laughs> now you're going to write a new book and um, hopefully you don't have to learn anything else with that
1: well we're we're still writing in the broken places and there's there's healing for writers in that as well yeah so right huh. he keeps um he keeps reminding me that i i write i write through things to understand them yeah. and uh, he uses all of it so um, it's not like you've <laughs> arrived right yeah oh, God. not even close <laughs> 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 uh stacy is just the big
0: sister you've always wanted to have, and she can be trusted. I have known her for a very long time. Please go check out her book, Thread Bear Prayer. It is coming out in October, and it's gonna be such a helpful resource to so many of us walking through hard things. I'm gonna pray over us. Lord, you are so close to the brokenhearted. You comfort those in need. You are there for us to know what to say when someone is sad, but also just to be present. I pray, Lord, that we would give the gift of presence, even if we have to be socially distanced, Lord, that we would reach out, that we would offer a backyard gathering, that we would be with those people who are walking through loss of family members and not able to have an official funeral or celebration of their life. Um, I pray for our kids who are walking through grief and they have no way to know how to express it, that you would fill us with compassion and empathy for them instead of frustration, that when they're jerks, we could see that maybe that's just them grieving. And when we have a hard day and that we uh, are not ourselves and we lash out in ways that we are feel guilty for, Lord, I pray that you would give us grace. For ourselves, that we are walking through unimaginable times and never having done this before. Um, We'll say that so many times, but it is so true. Um, May we lean into your ever present grace, not getting too far ahead of ourselves, too far into our imaginations, but trusting you each step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's it. That's the last week of the summer of mentorship. Thank you if you've joined us every week. Thank you if you've shared with your friends. I know this summer has been like unlike any other, and I appreciate you. Um, I know that you've had less time than you typically do to listen to podcasts. So, And if you've chosen to listen to mine, I do not take that as a small thing. I really appreciate you. Uh, Stay tuned. We're gonna take a week off, and then we'll be back for our fall lineup with Kendra Adachi, the Lazy Genius, and um, a fun announcement I've been kind of brewing for a while that I'm going to share with y'all. If you don't get my emails, you just go to holaheather, both start with H's, H-O-L-A, heather.com, and you can sign up every Monday. I send out a reminder about this episode, but I kind of share a little bit about what's going on. So many of you have been getting it, and I've done surveys that have helped me finish my book, which is due the beginning of September. So, thank you for your help. in that wrapping that up, I cannot believe that the manuscripts already do crazy, um, and it's almost done, which is even crazier. I never thought I could do this. So, um, thanks for your help. Thanks for cheerleading me in all the different ways that you do. And I will see you back here in a couple of weeks. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast.